Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe. Very sick today, Oatman. I'm a little agitated. I'm a little irritated. Yeah, that has got me better. I'm at the point where I need to figure out whether I want to use a neti pot. Because whenever I use a neti pot, it's 50-50 whether I get a worse sinus infection. So I'm at that point. Probably not going to do it. But I feel like I really want to. (laughs) But yeah, no, so we're both sick. So bear with us, but we do have guests lined up tonight, so we won't have to do all of the talking, which is fabulous. Um, We have two guests who have both suffered greatly as a result of vaccine mandates. Um, No. Our first guest, Dana Broussard. Yes. Yeah, both both suffered greatly. Sorry, two two separate, yes. But Dana is here with her husband, too. Yes, we have Dana Broussard, who um, won a vaccine injury claim against workers' compensation. And then at the bottom half of the hour, we'll bring on Ernest Ramirez, who lost his 16-year-old son just five days after taking the Pfizer COVID shot. So make sure you hit that share button. Make sure you comment, comment, comment. And uh, and yeah, this is going to be a really, really in-depth and probably heartbreaking episode, but one that we definitely have to have to talk about. So without further ado, why don't we bring on Dana Broussard, and, uh, and her husband, and Sydney. her husband, Sydney. Welcome, Hi. guys. So, sorry, Sydney, we weren't leaving you out. <laughs> I know you wasn't. It's really good <laughs> nice to see you guys. Nice to see you, Ken. Absolutely. So, you know, we got a chance to meet in California. And, of course, I asked what your story was. And I almost, you know, I'm not an emotional person. But you started talking and I started crying. I was like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to make you cry. And we got we got to meet your daughter, who is a beautiful young woman who is doing some Thank great you. things too. Thank and, you. And so I want you to tell everyone your story because your story was, yeah. So again, I don't get very emotional, but the fight that you've been in, the fact that you took it all the way through, and the okay. things you've been able to accomplish and overcome, and the fact that you haven't given up hope and you're still fighting, is just one of those things that I think is. Uh, it's amazing. So, you know, the floor is yours. Please tell everyone, tell everyone about you, about yourselves. Hi, uh, I'm Dana. This is my husband, Sydney. Um, I, I used to work for the California Department of Corrections. Um, I started working there in 2015. Um, they wanted me to take the hepatitis B vaccine. And that's a three series shot. So I took that. What happened to me April the following year, um, after my third dose within two weeks, um, I developed severe uh, back pain, which they claimed it was um, a pinched nerve. But within 24 hours of that, um, I went to the hosp- back to the hospital and was paralyzed um, from the chest down. Um, from there, that's when my nightmare started. It's still ongoing. And that was in 2016, May, Mother's Day of 2016. Um in the hospital, which I 
they they put me in the hospital in May 2016. They ran tests, uh, didn't know what was going on with me. For, for days, they just, you know, ran tests after tests after tests, would, didn't want to treat me because they didn't know what I had and didn't know how to treat me. So my husband basically had to threaten them to treat me with something after three days. And your husband's uh, a big man, so I'm not sure I'd be wanting to be... <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want him standing over me like, hey, let me it tell you how this is going to go. It wasn't a good situation. Three days and she was not being treated at all. Yeah. Not an aspirin, nothing. And all she was doing was screaming and yelling. And they were looking at her like she was a lab rat. You know, they were treating me they were, like I was a lab yeah. rat. And, um, but yeah, they did. They still didn't have any idea what was going on with me. Um I did a spinal tap after the third day. They, they misdiagnosed me, and they thought it was um, pinched nerve. No, no, they thought it was. They thought they thought it was something else. But it, um, after I think a week, they they diagnosed me with transverse myelitis and neuromyelitis optica, and then they still didn't really know how to treat that. So they uh, started giving me, you know various different treatments, um, kept taking blood, blood work every day. So they were, um, taking blood from me every day. So my arms ended up being black and blue and purple over two weeks of daily, uh, withdrawals of blood and come to find out after me being there for two weeks, they should have put in a, um, what do you call it? A pick, pick line. line. They were supposed line. to. They were supposed to put in a pick line within after three days of me being there, but instead they they just constantly withdrew blood from me every day to the point they couldn't find any more veins. Um, they actually had to get a pediatric nurse at one point to find to be able to even find a vein to withdraw blood from. And she was the one that told me they should have put a, put a pick line in me after three days. Um, they. I want to punch somebody in the face, and we're not even halfway through the story, just so we're clear. No. I'm uh, sorry, Dana. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it, it just just going through that, you know, and it just, just reminds me, even though it's it's been five years and still dealing with all that, but every time I think about it, every time I, you know, tell that story, it it just frustrates me and it angers me of what I went through just being in that hospital, and that's for three weeks of just all these different treatments, all these different tests uh, daily, you know, and they didn't want, they didn't know what caused it. And all they wanted to say was it was idiopathic. But um, my husband was the one that figured out that it was actually the hepatitis B vaccine that caused my injury. Well, when we were, when we were in a hospital, uh, I kept saying, how can a perfectly healthy woman wind up becoming paralyzed? It doesn't make no sense. The doctor said it was idiopathic. I said, well, what the hell is idiopathic? He said, unknown causes. I said, well, sorry. And I said, that's okay. It's impossible. It's impossible. You think I'm boo boo the fool. And so I said, Dana, what could have possibly happened? And she said she was over at, uh, at her job and her job had a blood, bloodborne pathogens class and said to take the hepatitis B vaccine. So I asked the doctors, could it be the hepatitis B vaccine? They said, no, Mr. Bruce, I by all means, no, it could not, not no way possible. I think the next day the nurse came in, uh, some nurse came in. Uh, I remember her face. I just, she never said her name. She ran in with the hepatitis B vaccine insert and she bolted out the door. And I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. And I started researching and researching. I'm like, well, what the hell is all these? 
there's like 18 deadly neurological diseases on there. And eventually, that's what they said. She had transverse myelitis and neuromyelitis, but two of the 18 deadly diseases that were on there. So it's on the insert for a reason, and even the doctors didn't know. Now, get this. Dana was perfectly healthy. She always went to Kaiser for every for her regular checks as a woman. They could not say anything else beside the hepatitis B vaccine. So the, the war started with uh, lawyers. I had to fire the first lawyer. Well, first we filed the, filed the claim. They denied me the claim, a worker's comp claim. They denied me immediately. So then we had to hire an attorney. And that's when the war started. And that's when even more, you know, basically I was in the hospital. I went to Kaiser in May and back and forth from Kaiser to an in-home care facility, back to uh, Kaiser. Then uh, I went to uh, Northridge Hospital for physical therapy. So back and forth from all these different facilities, I didn't get home till basically the end of October. Um, so, and, but then we were, you know, we we're fighting it with attorneys, my attorney, I, we had to fire him because he wasn't really doing his job. So we had to hire after, after a year and a half, we had to fire, fire him and hire another attorney. And we went from a regular workers' comp attorney, attorney to an attorney that handles catastrophic cases only. And, you know, and that's when it really got intense. So, but all this time workers' comp still was fighting me, you know, they denied me even after a year, the judge actually cited in my cited in my favor and they they continued to fight and that took another i didn't win my actual workers comp case till august of 2019. first first person to win a vaccine injury case against workers comp and that was the first part then the fight continued because they don't they then i had to fight for my percentage because they wouldn't give me 100 percent disability which that didn't get approved till january of 2021. And as long as we're underneath the workers' comp, uh, how you say thumbprint, yeah. she can't find no other doctors to even remotely look for a cure. They, they, they still have to approve every every treatment that I want, anything that I, anything they deny anything that they don't deem medically necessary. Now here's the deal: the attorneys for workers' comp want to settle with Dana. But whoever the client is, I think it's the state of California. The, Cal they don't, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. They don't want to sell. Does not want to. But they refuse to take the guidance uh, from their own legal counsel. Yes. Amazing. This is a hate uh, uh, strategy against my wife. I um. By the way, I'm under the weather. If you're wondering why, I feel like I'm. No, <laughs> I didn't want to miss this. The state of California, you worked, you trusted them. Mm -hmm. They put that poison in your arm and it changed your life forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now and they, they want to stretch it out as long as possible because they don't want to settle. Because mm -hmm. if they settle, they have to admit that there's other people like you. More, more likely, there's more people like you out there mm -hmm. that are either, either died or are suffering the same consequences you're suffering for trusting the people that are supposed to protect you. Because they, they, uh, they will not admit that it was the vaccine that injured me. And they, they, they even threw out a Hail Mary when they lost the case the second time by saying it was genetics. genetics. Then a top geneticist in the nation ruled that it wasn't genetics. And he even wrote down in his uh, assertion, even COVID, can uh, cause this. Disease. And he didn't have to do that. He even put COVID in there. 
and we have the documentation we can send you so you can so you can see it for yourself it was amazing and that was the last hail mary and still she won but did she really win because it's still a fight it's still an ongoing fight what about I'm a still, lawsuit who did the vaccine what company um energetics i think it was energetics all right who's energetics it? connected to I don't know who it's connected to. This podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive. And yeah, insurance won't cover that either. Air Med Care Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy in the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Energetics. Energetics is uh, vaccines. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Don't quote me. The injerics. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not on pronunciations. So I'm only saying that because I want to know Engerics, E N G E R I X. Right? Mm-hmm. B, which it. is the hepatitis B vaccine. Yeah. Correct. So Engerics. In, in, in They're GSK. GSK? GlaxoSmithKline. Oh, it's Glaxos. Yeah. We need to sue them next, right? Well, they're all protected under our government. Yeah, you can't can't sue the vaccine manufacturers, unfortunately, because of the 1986 Vaccine Injury Protection Act. Of which they've been shoving vaccines down people's throats for the last 40 years. Yes. Now, we can sue the the federal government, which we're currently in a lawsuit for that right now, which you can sue the vaccine because it's on one of the listed approved vaccines that you can sue for. So we're waiting for the special master to make a decision whether or not he's going to render Dana uh, victorious or decline the whole thing. We just don't know yet. Yeah, you and can't. It's, and it's some factor. king that sits up on a little hill and he gets to decide. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm going to allow you to. Master. Yeah, he's, they call special masters. They're with the vaccine injury compensation program, hmm. where they make the decision, you know, whether or not a uh, vaccine caused your. Injury. But they won't admit it, but they'll they'll just pay you pennies, you know, a few pennies to say, okay, well, here it is. But we're still not saying the vaccine caused your injury, but yeah, go away. It, it sounds ethical, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't it? Sounds it? completely ethical. So here's a perfectly healthy woman, and she was forced to take your vaccine because that's what you mandated at the time, saying, hey, you know, you want to work here? Here's your here's the option. Here, take it. But they didn't say, well, hey, wait a minute. If you get injured, we're going to take care of you. No, they treat you like trash. They still treat you like trash. <clears throat> but I, I was blessed because I had an actual judge that was on my side from the from the beginning. And his his whole he had an argument himself. He said, was it? He asked a, a valid question to to the California Department of Corrections. He said, was it a benefit to you? Was me getting that vaccine a benefit to your employer? If if that was a yes, then 
that was his basis of uh, ruling in my favor. But Joe, here's the deal. Nobody can afford to wait five years to render a verdict. They still got bills to pay them. If we're if people are willing to take if they're asking the employees to take a risk, then the employers should take a risk also. A hundred percent. Immediate risk, risk. But they don't want to do that. No, now, because they do that, you you wouldn't see this COVID thing nationwide. They'll be like, oh, wait a minute. It's going to cost millions of dollars to take care of this person. And just imagine that one person turns into 20 or 30 in just one job. And, and so how many how many people's lives get ruined and get treated like trash and, and thrown aside by no, these kings, by these people at the very top, right? Yes. And it doesn't just affect, you know, the person that it's happening to their injuries. It affects the family. So, you know, that affected my husband, it affected my daughter. My daughter had to end up, you know, if she was in college. She had to end up putting her college education on hold to become my nursemaid. That's not her job. And but you know what? Did. I talked to your daughter and she <laughs> had she had zero regrets. I know. She didn't complain she one bit. No, she, she didn't. Never has the whole never time. Never has. Yeah, that, but that's not fair to her. Beautiful and, soul. And doesn't matter. I got to tell you, my hat's off for you the way you raised your daughter because she stood up proudly and said, I'm okay. It's fine. Yeah. I got to take care of my mom, take care of my family, family first. Yeah. So, so Dana, who administered, who actually administered the vaccine to you? Was it someone at the Department of Corrections or did they bring someone no, else, I went some other doctor? Kaiser. I went, she went to, to Kaiser. Kaiser. Okay. Mm-hmm. She had a choice. And, and I went I went to Kaiser for that reason. And, you know, you'd think you would be safer getting it at your own yeah. doctor. Yeah. You know, so but the first time you I, the first time you saw that little pamphlet of the side effects, that was after you were already injured. Yeah, you know, yeah, doctors yeah. don't give you, you know, doctors don't inform you of, you know, all of those risks, you know. Mm-hmm. That didn't, we didn't find out all of that information until after after I was already Even injured. in the bloodborne pathogens class where there was an experience, nurse there at the prison did not tell them the risk. They don't know the risk. They don't do that. And that's they not don't, fair because that's not informed that. consent. You're supposed to tell that person everything that's wrong yeah. that could possibly happen. When you fail to tell somebody the possibilities, then that's criminal. In my mind, I'm not an attorney, but that's criminal. People need to go to jail. People need to spend some time in prison for this. Because if you're not telling people the risk, then how are they going to know what the risks are? How are they going to make their own decisions? Because if my wife would have known, she would never have taken this. So they failed to inform her. But the one, if they want to mandate, you know, any vaccine, you know, nowadays, oh, well, you have to take this vaccine to work here. Then they need to put it in writing that okay, but if anything happens to you, we promise to pay we promise to take care of you financially and everything else. But they won't do that. They, you know, you have to follow workers' comp claim and then they automatically deny you and then they put you through hell for years while while you're losing everything, you know, your home, your family, while you and they don't care. You could be on the street destitute. That's not their problem anymore. Well, it wasn't a vaccine. Well, I was fine before I took it. So who are you to say that it wasn't a vaccine? Well, we know it's a vaccine. Otherwise, you got a whole lot of leprechauns running around that are making people unlucky, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of people that are losing their lives, a lot of people that are losing their livelihoods, a lot of people like you. And we haven't even started talking about the financial struggles over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Like Sydney, we, we talked about this. You almost lost your home. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for my husband having a job that he had and his insurance that covered me partially. 
for for all the medical needs that I need any physical therapy, any physical therapy, um, I, who knows what would happen to me? Because mm-hmm. but then you know they they didn't cover much, but they covered more than workers' comp. Who didn't recover? Who didn't cover anything? My job didn't cover anything. And my insurance, even though I'm a federal employee, you would be thinking a federal employee has the best insurance, but no. Once you have a catastrophic injury, it's horrible because they wouldn't even approve stem cells for it. They, they kept they kept denying, denying, and still denying anything that could possibly help her. Yeah. But they would keep her on all these other drugs that my, my house looked like a pharmacy. Workers comp, you know, and we we feel like, you know, I want to try stem cells, but that's very costly. And workers comp won't pay for that. They don't, you know, they won't pay for anything that they don't deem medically necessary. And the people that are making those decisions have no idea, you know, who they're making the decisions yeah. for. Where all do they, they do? Bottom line. Where do they do stem cells? Different, you know. Well, there were one in Chicago, but then Dr. Burke uh, decided to take a sabbatical. And then what we were trying to do was go to, which we can't go now, is in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, out of the country because they are by far one of the best ones besides Mexico and Monterey and Pueblo. But the one we wanted to go to was in Chicago, Northwestern, uh, um, what's that, Northwestern Medical University. And Dr. Burke was there and he took a sabbatical and they got rid of the program. So, okay. And then, you know, and then those programs are very costly. So, you know, they were running on the lines of one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. How about for the one in in, in uh, Mexico? I know that's a, that's a part of the Nora program, right? Yes, that's about yeah. fifty sixty thousand at the time. And but and that's a, like and that's you would have to go there for thirty days. So wherever these, you know, and that's a more intense um, procedure. Now, even though at the time, you know, President Trump had the, uh, what, the right to try? Right to try. And you would be thinking that was great. I don't think they told President Trump that they weren't, uh, wasn't obliging by the right to try that he imposed because they did not want to give Dana no no type of try. Okay, so I'm going to take a deep breath because I'm I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get to the south side of heaven with you, Sydney. Hmm. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm, uh. And I know you're a federal employee, so you work for the government. You'd think the government would work for you, but they're not. Not in this standpoint, but my job did a great job by taking care of me, by making sure I stayed employed, even though at times when I went to work, I, I didn't even know whether I was coming or going. And I have to commend those guys for standing right but right there beside me because they were right there with me and they knew exactly what I was going through. Well, they were but unfortunately, they couldn't do anything to help me out with my wife, but they did help me out by keeping my job. But during my hearing, you know, you would think somebody at my job would help. But instead, the associate warden that I work for, she lied under oath at my hearing, which made no sense. It's What's her name? Uh, Mary Ann Butcher. But why did she lie? <laughs> Probably to cover her own ass. But because, my, you know, their whole goal was to make sure I didn't get approved. So, you know, she went so far as to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not, not around prisoners, but I'm inside of a prison. Maximum so how are you going to say I'm not I'm not around prisoners? I work inside. Yeah, if, then why was it mandatory, right? I mean, exactly. if, if so you're not around prisoners, the then why was it mandatory? Exactly. So take the vaccine so you protect yourself and protect the prisoners. So, but if I'm not around prisoners, why do I have to take? It? Yeah. But you know, if, no, I mean, you know, obviously, tons tons of luck, God's looking down on you and and helping you in this fight because no one, other than you seems to win these cases You're because the only one, to, ever. Pr- to prove 
to prove that this one variable, that vaccine did it. As you said, they were trying to accuse your genes, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, who knows? I mean, at that point, the, no one can prove anything, right? So they're, they're trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Um, so you're incredibly lucky that you were able to find a medical expert who was able to pinpoint say, no, no, this did it. And to have a judge that accepted that testimony, right. Accepted that and ruled in your favor because the whole system is stacked against you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I tell it on the podcast, I have a quote unquote vaccine injury, nowhere near yours, but I got a tetanus shot in college and I got a rash all over my body. So I, now I don't get tetanus shots anymore. If I step on a rusty nail, I just go to the hospital. He, he still um, he still has the rash. It turned him white. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, oh, that was funny. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I crack a few jokes every now and then. <laughs> yeah. My Native American heritage didn't find that very funny. Ah, <laughs> come on, it was funny. You got to have a little humor. Unfortunately, um, but unfortunately, if you don't have the right attorney as well that knows yeah. how to fight this because, you know, you're basically, you get a regular, regular workers' comp attorney that has 150 plus, you know, cases, you're yeah. kind of just thrown in there. So yeah. my husband He's found this. Falling, they're usually he, dealing with people falling off ladders and, and getting into car crashes or getting run over by forklifts. They're not dealing with something as specialized as this. And I can tell you that after, the similar thing happened to me. Doctors in the future, like after that, were like, no, that couldn't have happened. I'm like, no, that yeah. happened. That very happened. And I was able to actually pinpoint it. Erythema multiform minor. I knew the whole diagnosis. WebMD, thank you. And they're like, no, it couldn't have been. Couldn't have been. Couldn't have been. Couldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, um, when my son was born, I got uh, the Tdap without the tetanus. Completely mm-hmm. fine. Completely fine. I had They had a special order it for me without tetanus in it. Um, so I know what it feels like to, to know that this happened to you and to have everyone around you, all the doctors say, I couldn't be, you're crazy. You're crazy. Well, see, uh, they, they're so fast to give all these vaccines out, even the COVID vaccine, but once they give it, they have no clue on what to do to, uh, protect you or to, or, or to make you better. They have absolutely no clue what to do once it's injected. That's it. And pray to God that somebody may know just a little bit, but these people did not have no clue how to treat my wife. So yeah. now she's paralyzed from the chest down. Still. Still. And still. And what 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 can I do with her? You know, what what are we doing? We're surviving. I mean, she's not walking. I can't take her to the beach. What am I gonna do? I can't whirl a wheelchair in the wheel uh, in the sand. There's things that we used to do that they took away from us that we can't do no more. And traveling. It's and these nightmare. people are not realizing all it takes is one shot. All you're doing is rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. And if somebody would just be honest, just have some sort of damn conscience to say, wait a minute here, let's give these people an honest assessment of what's going on and what may can happen. And then we can eliminate a lot of this stuff. But they did not know how to treat my wife. I don't think you know how and to treat And hundreds of thousands of other people that are in our situation that have died from vaccines that they're that they 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 weren't blessed, and I can say it like this: uh, to uh, maybe they did win the loss, uh, maybe they did file for losses, but they didn't win because of some stupid. I, I met a lady just the other day, and she had transverse myelitis, and she went to the federal court, and she said she had a mole, and I guess it's like some sort of, thing. and they they denied her because of that. 
any little thing they will trace and find just to disqualify you. And that's sad because there's hundreds of thousands of people that needs help. And if you don't, if, and everything is a fight, even though I won my workers' comp case, I'm still fighting them for everything. I, I'm fighting, fighting them to provide me a, a, an accessible vehicle. Just the simplest things that they should be, you know, providing for me. It's still, a, it's still an ongoing fight, and and it's it's exhausting. That's my daily, my daily job is is fighting workers' comp. Congress, Congress need to do their job. Stop fighting against each other and start fighting for the people, because well, I mean, people are injured, they're hurting. Sydney, when have when have they done anything for the people? I mean, I look at. I, I say it on here all the time, and I know you work for the federal government. And, I, and look, I'm glad you had a band of brothers that stood next to you, right? So you could be there and support your wife and, and make it through this. Right? I, Amen. The government has never stepped in and done anything for the people. You, you know, it's just a matter of time until you get caught in the washing machine of, of tragedy by our government. Yeah. You know, 52 cents on every dollar going to the government, that means the first six months out of the year, you, you're a slave to them. You, I just... We need to fundamentally just stop. Just cut the taxes in half. Cut the government in half, at at, at most. Start yes. holding companies accountable. If they're making money on it, you should be accountable for it. If you're making profit and you put poison out there and you hurt people, you should be held accountable. You shouldn't be able to be out there on the beach and drinking a mai tai and enjoying the fruits of your labor while people suffer, and that mm. you cause that suffering. And you're like, oh, no big deal. Because I'm exempt. You know, it's also unions. We or you go to you work at a company. You pay you pay your union to provide you know help for you. Unions don't care either. That you know I told them about my case and they ghosted me. They didn't want to hear it. I still you know they they haven't provided any help for me at all. And you're, and you're like this. You're like going. You're looking around going. This can't be real. Mm. And then when you start talking, people do this to you. Oh, let me. They're trying to mm -hmm. find the nearest closet to hide in because they don't want to hear your story. And like, it's, oh, it's head been five years. They, nobody it's wanted sad. to hear my story. Nobody wanted to hear our story. He's been fighting yeah. for five years for somebody to hear our story. He's he's talked to congressmen, um, all the uh, news Senators. news yeah. agencies. Oh, they, they did not want to. Yeah, nobody they didn't wanted want to hear. But Dale Bigtree put her on and just recently and uh, uh, FEC and um, we had, uh, Cole Bricado. He's stepping forward to try to help well, us. Uh, he's I'm going to call, I'm going to call Clay Clark and see if I can get you to go to the reawaken America tour. That's in Phoenix. Right. Oh. And get you on the stage okay. there. That'll be in front of 3,500, 4,000 people and another probably 30 to 50,000. will watch you actually speak live. So oh. I'm going to, I'm going to put that out there. And if I have to personally fly you guys out there to speak on oh. that stage so you can give people, I will personally pay for it. Right. <laughs> So my next call after I get off here is going to be to Clay Clark to say, listen, you need to listen and we'll get you on his podcast. Look, I'll, I'll keep, I'll book you everywhere. I'll get you on Ann Vandersteel so we can get that done. And we'll just start passing you down the line and just make sure that everyone can hear you so they can understand the government stood against you. Mm -hmm. And they didn't just take your, they didn't just take time from you. They just didn't take oh. quality of life from you. They took it from your daughter and then they mm -hmm. abandoned you. They turned their back on you. Yes. And, so we, know, we're not going to turn our back on you. Thank I appreciate you, that. Thank I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, we just also just want people to know. I mean, you, everybody make they can make that their informed decision. You know, if you want to get the vac a vaccine, that's your business. I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my body. But make your decision based on informed consent. You have all the information you need to make that 
you know, valid decision, whether or not, oh, I don't want to take this because this could happen. But if you don't know, knowledge is power. So if you don't have any knowledge, you're powerless. Drop a contract to your doctor, too. Because if they're saying it's safe and effective, you know, that's the key words these days, safe and effective. And before he injects that, throw a contract in front of his face and say, hey, if if anything happens to me, you're going to be financially and personally liable. And just imagine him telling you the truth after that. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there's a possibility that this can cause damage. Yeah. But you're going to have to stand up for yourself because they're not going to do yeah. it. Just like Joe says, they're, I'm sorry, maybe I'm feeling this way, but the government is corrupt. And... Uh, until we figure something out to straighten out this government to cut it in half or just, you know, do an enema. <laughs> I, I like say the enema. Hey, listen, <laughs> I got in big trouble for talking about treasonous traders. And mm -hmm. I was like, I went to Home Depot and I bought some wood. I'm going to build some gallows. And look, you could get mad at me for saying that. But listen, it's in the, it's in the, it's, it, it is the consequence for treason. So if you don't like that I said that, then, you know, change the law. But I do believe that we have to, we have to stop this corruption in our government. We have to stop this just thirst for for greed and power, because it's paralyzing. And I shouldn't have said it that way, and I'm sorry. But it's paralyzing the American people. It's put us in a place where we're hopeless, and you know we're losing our joy, just the basic amount of joy that we have. We're losing that. And yeah. so anyway, well, we're out of time for you guys. But I want to. I'll give you the last word. And, and then I want we wrap you to up, know commitment. Yeah, sorry, Max. Before we wrap up, uh, Sydney or Dana, can you tell everyone where they can donate to help you guys? Because I know you guys yeah. have a couple of donation links set up. How can people contribute to help you with your fight? Um, we have a, a, a Gibbs and Go page. It's gibbsandgo.com slash Dana Broussard. So we're just trying to raise funds to possibly give me some you know, stem, cell, stem cell treatment. Because I know I would never get it through workers' comp, and they refuse to settle any kind of case with me. And they recently just said a couple of days ago, under no certain terms, will they settle with me? So I'm still fighting. But I know I would, in order for me to be able to afford any type of stem cell treatment, um, it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot. But I'm still we're still fighting daily to try to get. I go to physical therapy five days a week. I'm not I'm not giving up yet. Hey guys, five dollars, ten dollars recurring give a little bit you guys know man i'm i'm terrible at asking for me i'm not so terrible at asking for other people so just give a little this christmas season let's get dana and sydney to 200 grand let's make yeah, their life a little it. better and give them an opportunity to have you know just a christmas miracle and pray for them please pray for them now, now thank you guys for having us on and hearing our story because we just want people to know that, you know, this this is no joke. Just, you know, do your own research. God bless you, and God bless, God bless you, Max, and God bless America. Hey, God bless you, too. God bless you, Dana, Sydney, you. your daughter. Um, just tell her I said thank you for just being a, a warrior and for making the sacrifices for the two of you. You, you guys should be just very proud. We are. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Right, thank you, guys. God bless you, guys. So we, we have another guest who's going to come on in a second. Before I do, got to remind you to check out the Conservative Daily store, store.conservative-daily.com. If we put up my screen, we do have these T-shirts still available, the COVID vaccine slavery T-shirts. So you can check them out at store.conservative-daily.com. Pick them up. Wear them to your family. Christmas gathering. Make some liberal heads explode. And uh, you're going to be surprised how many high fives you get.
walking around in this t-shirt. So we go ahead and take that down. That's my favorite t-shirt. Yeah. I make everyone so, in my family wear that t-shirt. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it makes complete sense. So we have a, a second guest who is about to come on and another person who has been personally affected by this one, this time the COVID vaccine, his son, Ernest Ramirez, his son passed away just days after taking the COVID vaccine. I can't even fathom that, but um, why don't we bring Ernest Ramirez on? Yeah. Ernest, how are you? Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, I got to give Ernest a big hug and just say I'm sorry. And he said he's going to continue to fight. And uh, so, Ernest, people here don't actually, they may not know who you are. So just take a few minutes and tell everyone kind of your story. Well, uh, <clears throat> my name is Ernest Ramirez. I'm from Edinburgh, Texas. I was a father of a 16-year-old uh, who I raised by myself since the day he was born. He, uh, yeah, I did everything. I did the diaper, diaper bags and car seats, and we were just—he was my—he was my baby boy. Uh, at the age of seven, he wanted to play baseball. You know, I bought when I bought a couple of baseball gloves and to play catch. You know, like I guess. You see, you know, other people doing with their families, but like I said, it was just me and him. And I, I always wanted to show him father's love, because me myself personally, I never knew my father, and I swore to God, my son would know what it's like. So we were always together. So at the age of seven, he wanted to play baseball. So I said, sure, of course, anything to make him happy. So I ended up becoming, you know, coaching Little League here in Edinburgh for seven years while he played. And he was a good player, good pitcher, everything. He made me, he made me proud. He had wanted to be a, he wanted to play pro ball. And I also told him he needed to finish schooling. I said, that's one of the main important things. Next thing he knows, he told me he was playing high school baseball. And he told me he wanted to, I told me he needed to go to college. He said he wanted to join the Air Force. And I said, whatever you want to do, I'm here to back you up 100%. That's my job, you know. So, like I said, you know, he was more than my son. He was my best friend. We always did everything together. Fishing, camping. When I was working on cars, he's out there helping me, you know, just to learn. You know, father, father, son stuff. You know, we're always together. And for being, he never gave me no trouble. And for being a teenager, he was always concerned about me. He always wanted to make sure I was happy. 
And I told him that was his, my job was to take care of him, not to him take care of me. Anyway, uh, like I said, I went, the COVID hit, I went and uh, I got the Moderna shot because I was the only one in and out of the house. <clears throat> I want to make sure I didn't bring nothing home and get him sick. Cause like I said, we never, we've never been apart. He, uh, he was a good kid. He never gave me any problems, never. So after March, they started, I started hearing where the Pfizer vaccine was safe for teenagers. And so after I kept hearing the announcements and I only heard good things about the Pfizer vaccine. So I said, well, to protect him, cause I didn't want to see him catch COVID in the hospital on respirator and me not being able to be next to him, you know? So we, I told him to get the Pfizer vaccine and uh, five days later, my neighbor, good Christian woman, her son is, was his best friend. They grew up together. She took them out to eat. She said, I'm gonna take the boys out to eat and play basketball. I said, yes, ma'am, that sounds good. So I gave Junior some money. I gave him a hug and a kiss. I asked him to behave and be careful. That was the last time I got to talk to him. She said they were running across the court and he just collapsed. He didn't have any symptoms, nothing. So I didn't know anything was going to happen. It just happened. A police officer was there and started a CPR. And by the time I got there, the ambulance was loading them up. And I see them still working on them. So I chased them to the hospital and they came out like nothing. I mean, like it was just a nothing to them. When they came out and told me your son's dead and that's it. You know, I went crazy. I went crazy. Like I said, I always told him it's me and you against the world. That's now I have to come home to an empty house. He's not here no more. My boy chose classes. I'd wake him up in the morning, give him a hug and a kiss. Tell him don't forget school. Call me if you need anything. I get home. He'd he would know when I got home, so he'd be out, he'd run outside, <clears throat> and I'd give him a hug and a kiss. I'd say, what do you want to do? You, you want me to cook for you? You want to go out to eat? I'm gonna miss all that because I'm never gonna have any more hugs from him. I'll tell you, he made me proud. So that's why I'm going around. I, I, like I said, I got upset. I thought, but then I realized it wasn't God that took my son, it was man. Man did this to my son. So that's why I figured I turned all this anger and hate to God. I made my peace with God and I said, you know what, I'm gonna turn it into something positive. And my son's honor. I'm gonna go around and try to bring, bring awareness to all the other parents. 
because I don't want them to feel the way I do. I don't want anybody to lose their babies. That's why I said, I'll, wherever I'm asked to go, I'm be glad to try to tell my story. Maybe I can save one or two children along the way. Because as, us as adults, I mean, I see a child in danger. I'll stand in front of that child to protect that kid. It doesn't have to be my, you know, because that's our job as parents, as adults. You know, we protect our children. And if the government's not worried about it, they were elected to take care of us to for our best, best interest. It doesn't seem like they're worried about that. <clears throat> they're worried about lining their pockets. Because that's why I feel that local, the national media doesn't come up and talk to any of us because people quit taking the vaccine and they quit making money. Like I said, that's all they're concerned. That's why I feel their only concern is making that money. And it wasn't worth it. it. To me, it wasn't worth the risk. I should have never paid attention to my government. Like I've said before, I love the hell out of my country. I don't trust my government or nothing no more. Yes, at the top the of the screen, tribute. we have we ha we have your give send go link. If if people want to help yes, support sir. Ernest, um, help him get through this, that give send go link is going to be at the top of the screen right there, and it's also going to be in that scroller. I'm um, I'm hearing from the producers that your GoFundMe was canceled. Yes, sir. That you tried to raise money they, for GoFundMe. Nobody should do business with GoFundMe. Okay. Nobody should do business with uh, GoFundMe. No. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I thought it was there to help us. And, uh, <clears throat> well, I spoke throughout Texas, and uh, I was asked to go to the Capitol, Austin, to speak. And people just started asking me, what are you going to do now? You know, what's your plans? I said, I don't know. Something inside of me told me to go to D.C. So that's where I started to uh, give, uh, go fund me. And once they realized I started people started donating, they stopped it right away, saying, uh, I went against their regulations. I said, well, you know, I'll, I had it posted for travel expenses for me and my, my support team, and uh, they cut it off right there. And then I had another person come, uh, Ms. Ivory Hecker, who did my first interview. She asked me to start, uh, she asked me if I knew about Gibson Go, and I said, no, ma'am. So she told me to start it i wouldn't i didn't believe it after what happened with uh go fund me i didn't think it was going to do any good either so i started that and miss hacker called me the the next day she called me and asked if she could do another interview i said yes ma'am of course and she says well how do you feel about the money that's been raised i said i don't know ma'am you know i seen a doctor from houston him and his wife started off with a thousand dollars which brought me to tears because I didn't think anybody would do that. And then she goes, no, sir. That's, she goes, you've already uh, raised over uh, $10,000 in less than 24 hours. And that did bring me, bring me to tears because I found out that there are people that care. So that's where I ended before that, I ended up getting a phone call from Mr. The Senator, Mr. Ron Johnson. He asked me, what was I doing? What was my plans for? I said, I don't know. If I have to, I'll go knock on the gate and see if Biden comes out. You know, I didn't have any plans. He is one of the only senators that came up to me. <clears throat> he asked me to wait for him. 
he wanted to meet me in DC. And I said, of course, sir. I need, you know, all the help I can get. So that's where we ended up having the round table, me, myself, Mr. Johnson, and some victims, uh, vaccine victims also. So now I know there's a lot more people, not just myself. I, that's why I told him, I said, look, you know, to me, what they did to my son, that was murder. What they're doing to these children that are being affected, that's child abuse. I mean, because they're suffering every day. I've, I'm hearing stories of where kids are getting uh, committed suicide because they cannot stand the effects that they're going through, which, I mean, they were healthy. They were healthy children. I know a, a couple uh, children that the fathers, I'm in touch with the fathers. Even the fathers feel suicidal because they lost their babies. They're, you know, teenage boys. And, uh, you know, I talk to them on a regular basis and I have to ask them, you know, take your time, one day at a time. I know you miss your son. I went through the same thing. I said, but we need to change all that hate and anger and grief into something positive. You know, we need to fight for our children. I mean, that's all I can, I can do. You know, I can only talk. I'm getting calls from California asking me, telling me they need help. They need me over there. I said, well, I'm not a politician. I'm not an elected official to make laws or stop things. I'm just a person. Hey, listen you know, to I'll me. be glad listen to go. To but listen to me, Ernest. I mean, listen to me. I want to, I want to say something to you because yes, sir. you said something. You said, I'm not a politician, right? You said that. Yes, sir. You said I'd stand in front of somebody else's kid. Yes, sir. You need to run for office. Because maybe we I've don't need I've been told that quite a few times. Maybe we don't need I've politicians. I've been told that quite a few They don't have any experience. And look what they've done to our society. They've divided it. They've destroyed it. Yes, sir. So I, I think you need to run for office. I think you'd run for office because there's no, there's the, the purpose, the why for you is, it's authentic. Yes, well, these, these, yeah, the officials we have in there now, they don't care about us. I mean, we need, I've said that too, maybe we need a clean house. We need we do. to get them out and get people that have hearts. They no longer have a heart. They never, they no longer care about us. No, we're an inconvenience. And that's why I, said, I, mean, yeah, I mean, that's not my, my idea is not see how much money I can make off of your suffering or what I can take out of your pocket. My idea is to get up there and help our people. That's what they should be doing. Help our people. Yeah. You know, we have, we have people here hungry in the streets. I mean, instead of worrying about how many, how much money I'm going to make this year, just and really not doing nothing in office. They just show up once in a while. If yeah. they would use that money and help people, these hungry people in the streets, the, our vets, I, I'm uh, a veteran, but I, luckily I don't need anything. The thing is, I've, uh, I know a lot of people that are uh, suffering, they need extra money, whatever, you know, help our vets, help our homeless kids. I mean, there's so much, you don't need that much money. I mean, all I need, like me, myself personally, I felt like a millionaire. I had my son, health, my my house, food. That's all we needed. We didn't need big, expensive cars, a big, uh, fancy house. I was happy. I was a millionaire. I was a millionaire. They, they, now I feel the government owes me the world 
because they took my world away. And maybe maybe these politicians need to suffer a little bit so they know what it's like. You know, we never we didn't eat steaks every day. Yeah. But they do. Well, Ernest, I I, I, I want to play a clip that will give a, give people a little bit more background information about this, and then I want to put up a couple pictures of you and your son. Um, so, Mr. Producer, why don't we play cut uh, cut three? This vaccine was safe and 100% effective. And I kept hearing more advertisement about, yeah, it was safe for the teenagers. So I said, okay. He was running and he just collapsed, you know. Did you know that the vaccine was still being studied? Not really. I believe what they were saying. Two or three weeks later, CDC started announcing children having enlarged hearts. A typical heart weighs for a boy this age would be less than 250 grams. In this case, it was more than 500 grams. It was more than twice enlarged. How many deaths associated with COVID-19 vaccines have happened in Hidalgo County? None. I did call the health department to see what they've done subsequently. <coughs> yeah. Yes, D, what'd you find out about that kid? He didn't show on the intro. We had all these sheets and stuff that we oh, needed to do. Oh, just trying to process trying to, yeah, the paperwork. I mean, we're, we're, so he, he could have slipped through the cracks. I should have been so ignorant. I need to yell. I need to fight. I need to do something. His life was worth much more than what the government or anybody else thinks. It's heartbreaking. Yes, and I have to go through it every day. We, we, we got to see a brief picture in that video clip, but Mr. Bruce, why don't we put up a couple of pictures? Um, oh, you see, he looks like a, just a, a happy kid. So what would you say, Ernest? You get in the same room as the CEO of Pfizer, as Anthony Fauci. What would you say to them right now if they were listening? They need to quit. I mean, I already lost my son. But they need to leave these kids alone. They need to stop testing on these children. They know good and well it's not working. I mean, what, you want to see if we can, if they can survive? Or you're trying to mutilate our kids for your enjoyment? I mean, I know... Like I said, I know it's all about money to them, but look at how many families he, they're destroying. They were invited to the round table. Senator Johnson invited all of them there. Not one of them showed up. That does not being a man. A man, you know, we all know face to face. You talk to me face to face. I, I don't like to talk to people over the phone or emails or text messages. I'd rather talk to you face to face. I have a problem. I have an issue. We're going to settle it. We got to straighten this out. I uh, don't know why no one stopped these people yet. They, somebody needs to stand up. I mean, just because, like I said, I'm just an average person. They're not going to pay attention to me. I mean, I can scream and yell and cuss all I want. They don't care. We need somebody up there, too, at their, their, you know, in the government, some official 
uh, to stand up and start fighting back with us. They need, like I said, they need to leave these kids alone. Quit testing them. You know, like I said, I've never told anyone yeah. to do it or not to do it. You know, like the good Lord gave us free will. That's our choice. We do what we want to do. If you want to do it, fine, do it. If you don't want to do it, okay, that's your choice. Don't force nobody to do it. When we covered the uh, advisory board deciding whether or not to roll out vaccines for children, we played a clip on this podcast. I think it'd probably take too long to pull it up, but it was one of the officials on that board admitting that it would take five years to study the effect that the vaccine would have on children and that they didn't have time for that and they need to start putting shots in kids' arms to figure out whether it was safe or not. No, see, the FDA approved it. it. How in the heck can you approve it if you don't know it works? I mean, well, he, that's here's, crazy. Here's the other half I mean, of it. Here's, here's the other half of it. We saw in that clip that your son was not listed as a COVID-19 vaccine fatality. No. So no. they aren't even, and, they aren't even compiling the data. No, sir. And it took, it took me three months to get his autopsy report. They didn't want me to see it for whatever reason. I had to get an attorney. And when they, the thought of me getting an attorney, magically the autopsy report was ready. I went to get his medical records from where he got the shot from. And they gave me a runaround that I couldn't because uh, only the parent could get it. I said, well, who do you think I am? I am the guy who his paperwork. They said, well, you know, you know, just like I said, they gave me a runaround. Finally, I, I received the paperwork. It was a lot of the pages were hard to read. And then it said 61 pages and I went through it to check to make sure and the pages were missing. Why? I mean, it's real simple to print out the papers. How do seven pages disappear? So like I said, that hospital, they didn't admit to it and they won't to this day, they still won't. Uh, you know, this, there's a lot of crooked stuff going on here and uh, I don't know what I can do, but something needs to be done. Somebody with some type of authority needs to jump in and help. No, it's, it's, I, I my, my sons are young. My, I have a four-year-old, I have a one-year-old, but seeing those in pictures, it, it breaks my heart. I, I can't imagine what you're going through. It is, uh, yeah, well, it makes it hard for me to actually work because I can be driving down the street and I don't know when I'm going to have a, a breakdown. I have, there's times I have to pull over because I can't drive. You know, you know, it's not like I feel it coming. It just start crying or if I'm on top of a machine that I'm repairing I, I figure one of these days I'm going to end up falling off because you know I just have a, a breakdown up on top like I said you know I don't know what I don't know what I'm supposed to do here I know as long as I keep going talking trying to fight this thing that's the only thing that makes me feel better you know because I don't want to be sitting here at home you know I cry too much as it is if I'm out there fighting at least I feel I'm doing something in my son's honor because if I don't do anything, it's like I didn't care, you know, so I have to do this. Yeah, because he was my pride and joy. He was my baby boy. I'm so sorry that this happened to you, Ernest. I'm so, I'm, I can't even, nothing I can say 
will will make this any better but i just want you to know that you're doing the right thing getting your story out there because if you can if if a couple people hear this and and they and they are able to be spared this heartbreak by hearing this story obviously it, it, it won't bring your son back but we we have to keep fighting i mean it, this is a, this yes, is insane sir. They're mandating the vaccine for kids in in California. Talk about doing it in New York. Sure. I mean. So I want to I want to push on something that you said. And Ernest, I didn't want to miss this today, but I've been sick and under the weather. So I put myself together so I could be on this with you today. Um, Thank you. You're going to see your son again. Yes, sir. And as a father, and Max is a father, you know, we should never bury our kids. Right? No, sir. And uh, the shameful part of this is that this is the hill worth dying on. Our kids are the hill worth dying on. And I know that as we take God and we strip him from our community and uh, we, we do things to, to allow this kind of evil to permeate through our society, it enrages us. And I know like me, you're from the south side of heaven. So... We have to get control of that demon that we put away long ago and do something to help others' kids. And so I think you should run for office. And I'm going to ask everyone that's listening to pray for Ernest. Pray for his son. Because I think he can hear you. He does. He can. And pray for justice. Pray for consequences. This isn't the only problem we face from our government. This is just a larger symptom that it's just, as I say it, it's just a washing machine that over time, sooner or later, a hateful hand of injustice is liable to touch you. Once, twice. So I want you to stay in the fight. And I think part of that fight is for you running for office. So I want to have you yes, back sir. on again. And I want to know what your plan is. We're going to raise some money for you here. And everyone go to Give, Send, Go. I know that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking you again to give. Give a little, give a lot, give what you can. That's GiveSendGo.com slash G as in golf, 2-8-F as in Frank, K as in kangaroo. Or Kilo, if you're in the military. And support Ernest. Ernest, we're going to give you the final thought here, the final final word here, and uh, the floor is yours. Well, first of all, I wanted to let everybody know, in da- I was in Dallas this past weekend, and I had a gentleman, officer, he recognized me, but he was too, I guess, he didn't want to upset me. When I came back out, my buddy told me the officer wants to meet you. I said, of course. He goes, sir, I didn't want to upset you. 
uh, but I wanted to meet you. I said, look, that's why I'm here for it. If anyone sees me at a gas station or at a restaurant, you're more than welcome to come up. Please tell me hello, whatever, you know, let's talk. You know, don't be, don't be holding back. The thing, another thing is, please protect your babies. These are our kids. I mean, don't let them use them as a test subject. Protect your ch children for anything and everything. If they're still babies. Their body's just barely developing. Let them, give them a chance to grow. And once they get of age and they decide to do it, that's their choice. The magic word is that's their choice. Nobody's forcing us to do this. We have to fight back. We're gonna end up having a war in our own country against our own government. And so be it, if that's what it takes, that's what we have to do. So just please take care of one another. I mean, we're all in one, we're all one, we're all one family. We need to take care of each other. Well, Ernest, I want to thank you so much for telling your story. I know it was not, it's not an easy story to tell, but I hope that we're able to reach people. I hope that we're able to save even just one person from having to go through what you went through. Um, so I, yes, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I want to encourage you to stay strong. And uh, yeah, Joe, any, any final words? Courage is more infectious than fear. And uh, your courage getting out here gives other people courage to stand up and speak as well. And your yes. courage here helps other people want to fight. And your courage here helps people get in the gap and understand that it is them versus us. It is the American people versus yes, the communist, socialist people that are trying to destroy our nation for profit and power. And so yes, sir. you need to run for office. That is an order, Ernest. You need to run for office. And because the people in your community will support you. And you well, want to know why they'll support you? They'll support you because everything you're doing is authentic. And it's for the, all the right reasons. And that pain that you yes, feel, sir. you can turn that into fuel to save other children and save other people from other situations as well. Yes, sir. Of course. God bless you, Ernest. Hey, God bless you, Ernest. Thank, Thank you. you for stopping Thank you by. Both. Yes, sir. Uh, to say that I'm angry is an understatement. You know, I want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> That's my way of saying that, you know, watching people in pain is just, it bothers me a lot. Tomorrow's headline, Joe Oltman threatens to punch everyone in the face. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at some of the old headlines that came by and somebody put something up <clears throat> and was talking about a call to violence. If you kill somebody's child, who is more violent? Who is more violent? Me that wants to punch someone in the face? Am I, am I violent for wanting, for, for wanting to, for somebody else to feel the same pain that I would feel in losing my child? I would say that what's right is wrong and wrong is right, and they've turned it upside down. And the violence that we feel today in our society is wrapped in something different, where they can show a lack of humanity and lock people up, where they can feed people drugs and vaccines that aren't vaccines and lie to people to kill and cause injury to people in our community, where they can laugh at a wife of over 30 years while her husband lays dying 
And we're in a state where you have a right to try, where they tried nothing and told her she's nothing but an inconvenience and harassing the ju- or the, the doctor. I, I don't see... I don't see the America that this country should be standing for. I see a pathetic country. I see a country writ- just driven by rhinos who are traitors to this nation as well as radical leftists. And I see people that may not agree with it in positions of power that are watching it happen and are being complicit in what is happening to the people of this nation. I see a nation that Back in World War II, they ran onto a beach and couldn't be father, fathers or husbands. They didn't get that opportunity. They ran towards bullets. Now we run towards our phone and play TikTok. The difference in society is completely starkly different. Where the bullies are the ones talking about bullying and doxing and burning buildings. While those standing for the rule of law are treated as if they're lepers. Our society is turned upside down. And let me tell you something. My call for violence to head traitors that commit treason, I stand by it. And not only is it biblical, but it's also in the, it's in our law. And if that's not the consequence... If traitors do not feel a consequence, and I'm sorry that I'm sick, I really didn't feel like getting up, but if there's no consequence for traitors, then they will continue to do over and over again the things that they have done to our nation. So, unselfishly, they ran on that beach to save America. They did. They gave us another 50 years until the great push for communism came right back like a cancer and plague upon of our society, driven by Democrats and accepted by weak-minded Americans. Our choice is clear. We just had two stories of people that were treated like trash, that were discarded, things hidden from them, lied to. One lost his son, and the other one lost quality of life and, frankly, stole time from their children, their child, excuse me, their daughter, It's not right. And at some point, you got to make a decision that this is worth fighting for. That's all I have, Max. It's, it's, tough, to, it's tough to see. It's even worse to, to feel. Well, that's going to be it for this edition. It feels weird to read an ad after hearing all those, but I'll encourage everyone to check out all the links in the description, um, all the different sponsors of the show. If you're, if you're looking for gifts, check, it, check them out. Um, we go live 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, so tune in for that. And if you need a little reminder, you can text the word FREEDOM to 89517. You'll get added to our text alert system. And you'll get a notification telling you what we're talking about and how, when, and where you can watch. That's it for this edition. My name is Max McGuire. My name is Joe Oltman. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country isn't over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>